Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Amen. Was that good stuff or what? You have an opportunity every day of your life to worship a great God. And He's always just waiting for your arrival. He's waiting with open arms. He's waiting with great anticipation to receive the worship that He's due. And on Sunday mornings, then we get together, I get to come together corporately and sing worship to our great God. And man, I appreciate our team for leading us. And, and uh, show your love for our worship team, if you will, this morning. Now, as we continue in uh, looking at the gospel according to John, a gospel written by Jesus' best friend, and we get some insights that many of the other gospels do not include. It's, it's, it's most of his material is, is just firsthand that other people did not, uh, were not led by the Holy Spirit to include. And so we've been looking at this incredible character that all of us, if we're honest, can and should and will identify with, and uh, his name is Peter. Now, right out of the chute, in the beginning of his journey with Jesus, he, he had a, a, a lofty goal in mind, and that is to do things well. And he, if you'll remember his first encounter of one of his first miracles that he saw Jesus perform as a fisherman, Jesus walked up, he hadn't caught any fish, and Jesus said, hey, you need to put your net on the other side of the boat. And he's like, yeah, well, we fished all night. He said, just trust me, do this thing. Put his net in the water, Bam, started breaking the nets. All these fish jumped in and his response was appropriate and it was, it was moving. It was the heart of who he was in his new journey. He said, he said, depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Man, he got it. The fact that Jesus was God in the flesh standing before him. He was humbled in, the, in, the, in his sinful condition. He knew where, in whose presence he was standing in. And just like us, many of us have had an encounter, a moment in time, when we meet Jesus for the first time. When Jesus rocks our world and he penetrates the depth of our soul and he softens us on the inside and introduces the greatness of who he, do, who he is. And he doesn't do it in judgment. He does it in love and grace and opportunity. So Peter... Although his intentions were good and he launched well, uh, just like the rest of us, he, he, he messed it up many, many times. He just kept messing it up. And, and, and last week we saw the pinnacle of his messing up in that he denied Jesus, denied knowing him three different times. Now, let me just ask you a question because for us to hear from the Holy Spirit, we need to have transparency in our heart. We need to be real. Have, have you ever done that where you, you came out of the chute strong only to find yourself messing things up in your journey with Jesus? If you've messed up, raise your hand, clap your hands, amen, or blow your horn. All right, that puts us on the same page. You see, there is no exception to the rule. And so this story today is about Peter, and today we're going to launch into the, what happens, what can happen when we allow Jesus to make right what we so often make wrong. And so in the story, it paints a picture of our life. It began with big words. Peter said, Jesus, man, I, I'll die with you, bro. I mean, I am right here for you. Big words. Only to be followed by big doubts. And these doubts came by, from somebody who had every a reason and authority to doubt. His name was Jesus. Jesus says, I'm sorry, Peter, but you're going to deny me three times 
before the rooster crows, followed by big actions. You see, we saw last week, <clears throat> Peter had to make right his commitment. He had to show Jesus he was real in his words, and he was going to back it up. He pulled his sword out and chopped off the ear of a soldier whose name was Malchus. So we saw big actions, uh, followed by big failures. Just on the heels of those big actions, he would find himself denying that he even knew Jesus. In a moment when Jesus needed him most, he looks up cursing and saying, I do not know him. And he looks up and he sees Jesus making eye contact with him while he's denying. Tell me that's not a bad day in your neighborhood. When you deny Jesus when he needs you most and you just look up and he's staring at you. A bad day. Now, when you have that kind of failure, the obvious response are huge regrets, big regrets. And we saw that. Peter left the scenario after denying Jesus. And the Bible says he went and he wept bitterly. And that is the right response. And honestly, that's where some of us need to hang out for a while. And that's why we left off there last week. I hope you pondered on the idea of really how much we deny Jesus and how uh, much he continues to love us. It is a part that we all hate that we have played. If you've played the part of the denier, if you've played the part of the rejecter of Jesus when it seems like he was wanting to use you most, amen or blow your horn. So we all know we're on the same page. Now we've all played it personally. Now this, this narrative where, where we just deny God's word, that's where we find ourselves today. We find Peter, he's, he's on the heels of a mistake, a failure and a regret. That place where we deny God, we deny Jesus, we deny His Word for truth. And it's not just on a personal Jesus-following disciple basis. You can turn on the news. Our whole world has denied God's Word. Our whole world is denying the power of truth. The whole world looks, on the, looks at the news, watches social media, reads all this stuff. And if we're not careful, we begin to buy in to a partial truth or a partial reality. We buy into an opinion that may be built on truth, but it does not, uh, it's not entirely true. We've got to get back to a place where we go to the truth and not buy into some idea that's built on false or faulty or partial statistics or information. And that's what God's Word is. And, and, and you need it. And your preacher needs it. And this church needs it. And by all means, our nation and our world needs the truth of God and His Word more now than never. Because I'm telling you, the enemy who Jesus said is the father of all lies. The enemy who Jesus said when he speaks, he speaks his native language and his native language is lie. Jesus said he is the great deceiver and that's who our world is listening to. Now listen, Peter had listened to the same liar. And so we have to be careful or we find ourselves in a bad, bad state of failure and regret, just like Peter, the part we all hate we played. Ah, but the story's not over. You see, the story continues. It, God never leaves us hanging in failure.
In fact, if you read the Bible from the beginning to the end, God is always, always, always about reaching into our failure, reaching into our regret, inviting us to a different place to experience everything He has for us on the journey and in our life. And I want you to know today, your story is not over. And so as we look today, we're going to continue looking at the life of Peter. And I want you to know something about your mistakes and your failures. Jesus is not surprised. Jesus is not set back. Jesus is not defeated. Jesus is not even affected by your mistakes and your failures. You see, Jesus can't die again on the cross. Jesus can't be punished again for your mistakes and your failures. He already took it. And so he's not affected today by your failures and your regrets. Jesus wants to move you from failure and regrets into hopefulness and victory. And I want to tell you something about Jesus. That just happens to be his strongest suit. The, he, the, the, the thing he does best is moving us from failure to victory, moving us from regret to hopefulness. It's what he does best. It's who he is. I want you to know that, that we all find ourselves like Peter at the crossroads where we are regretting what we've done and how we've lived our journey for Jesus. All of us have done that. So the question has to be asked, will I allow my failures and my regrets to define me or will I allow my failures and my regrets to develop me to become who it is that Jesus wants me to be? Big words, big doubts, big actions, big failures, and big regrets. They lead someplace that we've all been. You ready? Big questions. When we find ourselves realizing who we are, the mistakes we've made, often, 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 it leads to big questions. That moment where everything is in question. Listen what happens now in the life of Peter, John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that would be John, and said, Hey, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb, and both were running. But the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and he went straight into the tomb. Sure he did. That's how Peter rolls, all right? On the heels of regret, he wants to know. He's got questions about this scenario. Now look down at verse 10. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, now I want you to listen. I want you to, to, to pay attention. When we find ourselves 
uh, finding, realizing our failures, embracing our regrets, it leads to questions. Uh, Peter knew he was a denier. Peter felt that he was a failure. Peter knew that Jesus knew all about it. Peter knew that Jesus died while he denied he even knew him. And yet he's still intrigued. He's still drawn in to understanding, man, is this thing real or not? You know, that's what failures and regrets do. They make us question, but often we don't question ourselves. We don't question our own pitiful, sinful flesh nature battle. We don't question uh, whether whose fault it is. We question God. We begin to say things like, okay, is, is this whole thing real? Is God really there? Uh, am, am, am I invited into a relationship with God? Is Jesus really the only way to God? Does God really want me to live sold out for Him, a servant and a soldier of Jesus? We, we ask these questions. Is, is there an eternal existence? And if so, could I be included in that? And if that's an option, why should I be included in that? Because I'm a failure. I, I, I've messed it all up. If you've ever on the heels of your personal failures and regrets found yourself questioning with big questions, blow your horn or say amen. It's real. It's very, very natural. Now, so what do you do? What, what do you need most when your words and your actions have not aligned themselves? Your commitment to God and the actions of your life <clears throat> just don't seem to be tracking together. What do you need in that moment? You need what only Jesus can give. And what it is that Jesus can give will solve and provide opportunity to move out of failure and regret into victory and hope. And it's called big grace. Big grace. That's what you need. That's what I need. Listen to me. That's what this world needs. That's what America needs is big grace on the, on the heels of big failures and regrets. We can't fix it ourselves. The world can't fix itself. The nation can't fix itself. You can't fix yourself. I can't fix myself. We need big grace. Now listen, I could tell you that, and it sounds good, but I want to show you that's exactly who God is. That's exactly what Jesus wants to bring to the table. Watch this. John chapter 21. <clears throat> afterward. Now, let me explain what afterward we're talking about. Jesus has presented himself to the disciples as resurrected. Jesus has had dinner with them. Jesus has loved on them afterward. Still, they're kind of in this funky spot. They don't know exactly where to go from here. And, and, and that's where we find ourselves. Verse 1, afterward now, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter 
Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples were together. Even in failure, Peter is still a leader. Do you get that? He's still leading people. I want you to know, people watch your life. And how you live your life will affect how they live their life. It matters how we live. Dads, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers, kids are watching you. They're watching us and they follow and file suit in the way we live. Peter was no exception. So they go fishing. Now, this is Peter who is denied three times. This is the Peter who rejected the reality that he had a relationship with Jesus. He's seen the resurrected Jesus, but often what happens is we still go back to our old life. Peter says, guys, Jesus is resurrected. I failed the last time. I don't think I'm the guy. I don't think I can live up to the challenge that Jesus has placed before us. So I'm going to go back to what I know best. I'm going to go back to my comfort zone. I'm going to go back to the place where it's low risk. That thing that I know I can do well, I'm going fishing. That's what we do a lot of times. On the threshold of greatness, on the heels of failure, we just go back to our old way of life. We just buy into that old, ignorant lifestyle. Peter did the same thing. Now watch this. That's where Jesus shows up. Verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But his disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And Jesus called out to them, Listen, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Now, do you see what's happened? Jesus goes to where Mr. Failure is hanging out. Jesus doesn't wait for Peter to realize and to get his whole life fixed so he can come to Jesus. Jesus goes to Peter, right where Peter is, still running from God's call upon his life. In the moment when Peter needed it most, in the moment when Peter expected it least, in the moment when Peter deserved it the least, Jesus comes showing up right where he's at in his old walk of life, right back to the beginning. And I want you to listen to what he extends to him. He doesn't come to the shore and he holler out and he say, hey, denier. Hey, loser times three. Hey, jellyfish, spineless, weenie disciples. No, he comes to where they are and he says, hey, friends, friends. He wants to embrace them and draw them back to the place where they're supposed to be. <clears throat> he wants to start all over again. I want you to notice something. Where are they? They are where they were when Jesus 
invited them on the journey the first time. Grace takes you back to that moment, that conception when you met God for the first time. Grace continues to take you back to that moment, man, when the Holy Spirit of God just reached down into your calloused soul and whispered with sweetness and stillness and says, hey, I love you right where you are, but I love you way too much to leave you right there. Won't you come follow me on this journey, a journey that you will never experience apart from me? Verse 6 now, Jesus said, because they had replied, they hadn't caught any fish, just like the first time they met. Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John. Let me just point something out. Notice John always recognizes Jesus when nobody else knows who he is. That's why John wrote the book of the Revelation. And he turns to hear this great voice that sounds like rushing waters and he knows it's Jesus. John recognizes Jesus when nobody else does. And he says to Peter, <clears throat> he says, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him that he had taken off and he jumped into the water. Now listen, I want you to notice this is how we receive. This is how we respond. This is how we yield to big grace. We don't stick our toe in. We don't splash around in it a little bit. We don't talk to our friends about it. We jump in, full surrender. We jump in over our head into big grace. <clears throat> because in that big grace dive, that's where we find healing. That's where we find hope. That's where we find restoration. That's where we find ourselves back to the place where God can use us again. Verse 8, the other disciples, they followed in the boat, towing the net, full of fish, but they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it. And there was some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've caught. So Simon climbed back into the boat and he dragged the net ashore and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared after he was raised from the dead. Now, friends, that is what big grace looks like. Jesus doesn't come to condemn them. Jesus doesn't come to judge them. Jesus comes to grace them. And I want you to know today, I don't care how good you think you are, Jesus still comes to administer grace 
in your life. And I don't care how bad or ignorant you think a rioter is, Jesus still comes to extend grace to them too. And, and it looks like this. Hey, fellas, I know what you did. I know who you are. I know your heart. I know your rebellion. I know your bad decisions. I know your failures and your regrets. Won't you come on back over here? I got a little fire. Why don't you come and join me for a good hot breakfast? That's what grace looks like. And there's nobody who can give you grace like Jesus. So what do we do now, just like the disciples, when we say, okay, okay, I'm in. I admit my regrets and my failures. I own who I am. I understand that it's not a setback for Jesus because Jesus' story, listen to this, is a story about His glory. His story is not a story about your glory. Your story is, His story is a story about His glory. And when He writes you into the grace line of His glory story, His story gets better. Your badness does not make His story worse. Your badness, when it's found saturated in grace, makes His story better. So what do we do? Because listen to me. We've all come to those moments. If we're a believer, if you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus, if you not just profess Christianity, but actually possess Christianity, you have been in this place where you've let Jesus down. Many of you would find yourself, certainly should, like I do, today, realizing you've let Jesus down. How? I'm here at church on Sunday morning. Praise Jesus. That's awesome. You should be. Okay? The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's just simple obedience. Okay? But here's my question. Who is in the car next to you because you invited them to church? Well, I didn't know I was supposed to. Yes, you did. You're supposed to go into all the world making disciples, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Who are you witnessing to? Who are you sharing Jesus with? Who are you actively pursuing on Jesus' behalf? Who are you actively offering the grace found in Jesus and Him alone? Who are you actively trying to share that with? <clears throat> so you see, we're all in that same boat. We didn't do a very good job this week inviting people to church in the middle of the darkest hour of our nation. We didn't do a very good job sharing the love of Jesus with the people that are hurting. Now you can pretend that you careered it this week for Jesus and maybe somebody did, but I venture to say all of us did not career our Christian journey this week. If this week was not a career week for you as a Christian, blow your horn, say amen. It's just real. I'm in the same boat. I get focused on everything. I get focused on building the building, leading the church, preparing sermons, doing life. Meanwhile, there's a world and a community all around us that is in dire need of the hope and the victory and the grace found in Him alone. So, so what do you do? 
In this moment, when you realize big grace has been extended to me, how will I move forward differently than yesterday? We don't have to go far. It's right here in the text. I want you to see what happens. It's called big decisions. We have big decisions we all need to make. Decisions moving forward in response to big grace. Verse 15 says, Now, when they had finished eating, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, well, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt now because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. What is that? It's an opportunity to respond to grace with a big decision. Jesus is saying, Peter, I know about your failures. I'm, I wired you and knit you together and made you. I watched you. I called you. I have watched you mess up. Listen to me. I still want you on the journey. I still want to use you in a powerful way, but I got to know, do you love me more than these? Now, what's he talking about more than these? More than these what? Well, in the Greek, the word is hautos. It means, it can mean people or things. This week while studying, I stumbled across something that I think has merit. Some commentators believe that Jesus was pointing to the hundred and 53 fish that they had drug on shore. The thing that Peter had went back to, the thing that he had a passion for, fishing, the thing that he knew well, fish, the thing that, <clears throat> that identified him in the world, that old life, that old thing. I believe Jesus was saying, Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Because that's where you went when I wanted to engage you back in the journey. Do you love me more than these fish? Now listen, today there's things in your life. Tell the person in the car, he's talking to you. There's more in, there's, there's things in my life that I have a passion for, that I love, that I love doing, that I do well, that I can find identity in? The question is, is it ranked higher in my heart than my journey with Jesus? Do you love Jesus more than that thing that you've loved for a long time? Do you love Jesus more than that thing that you find your success, your value, your identity in? Do you love Jesus more than anything else in the world? The question is, now you get to decide. And so I want you to 
join me as we pray. I'm going to pray over you. And I want you to join me if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. All Christians have used big words to make big statements about their commitment to Christ. All true believers have used big words to describe what their life is going to look like when they start following Jesus. All people who have stated big words of commitment have experienced big doubts personally or by those around them. All people who have made big words have followed with big actions to prove that they meant what they said. All people who follow Jesus have failed with big failures and messed up their journey. There is no exception to that rule. All Christians have had regrets because they've let Jesus down, realizing what a great gift Jesus has given to them. All Christians when we understand Jesus, we understand the big grace that saved us is a big grace that continues to be offered to restore us. And all Christians, no matter how long we've been a Christian or if today is our day of salvation, we need to understand that when big grace is extended in our direction, we have a big decision to make. Will I dive into that or will I continue to stay on the fence in my failures and in my regrets? Father, we come to you and I pray over every person that's, that's in distance of hearing this message. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit, not me, but that your Holy Spirit reaches deep into their soul and identifies where they're at so that they know with clarity. And God, in this moment, I pray that every single person will grab the idea of big grace and do like Peter and just dive in out of their boat of comfort into the depth of grace and restoration and forgiveness and goodness back into the journey that Jesus called us to. And God, we have to decide whether or not we're going to be part of that victory or continue to live in our failures and regrets. Father, it is my prayer that on behalf of myself, on behalf of every person here, that we will move from this place on this day, on this beautiful Sunday, reminded that grace is still extended. And you will take our mistakes, failures, and regrets, and you will bury them in grace and write them into the narrative, into the storyline of your glory. And we will give you the praise for it because we can't do it ourselves. It has to come from someone much bigger, much better, much greater, and that's you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now I wanna show you something. The story's still not over. Because sometimes people are invited to a place and we don't know what the end result is. I wanna show you the end result because the end result
is absolutely amazing. So when we understand big grace and we dive in with a big decision, <clears throat> what happens in the life of somebody that gets back on the journey, man? What happens? I'll tell you what happens. Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts, the actions of the apostles, chapter 1. Not too long after this moment when Peter dives into the water and comes swimming up to Jesus, watch this. Verse, uh, chapter 2. Peter is no longer ashamed. He's no longer bashful. He no longer denies. He has developed a Christian spine that will not be shaken or moved. And he looks at the religious people. He looks at the lost world. And he said, it's you that murdered Jesus on a cross. The Son of God, while I stood there denying, it's you that nailed him to the cross. It, and Peter owns that it was him, his sin, that nailed him to the cross. He doesn't care what anybody thinks anymore. He doesn't care. He's not been to seminary. He doesn't pretend to have all the answers. He's a fisherman who has run into big grace, who has made a big decision, and now God's going to use him for some really big results. Chapter 2, after preaching, the people are all distressed and they cried, What then should we do? Verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, Peter said, Repent, each one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. The promise is for your children. The promise is for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to Himself. With many other words, He testified and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this perverse generation. Listen, so those who accepted His message were baptized, and that day, that day, about 3,000 people were added, were saved. Isn't that cool? I'm telling you what's the truth. You can't outdo our big God. And when we get into big grace and make the right big decisions, He'll use us for big results. You may not lead 3,000 people to Jesus in a day, but let me tell you something. You'll begin by leading one or two. You'll begin to be used in helping share hope in a hopeless world. You'll begin to be used sharing victory in a defeated world. The question is, will you allow Him to use you for big results? I'm telling you, God wants to use you. He wants to use this church to shine light in a dark world. It's up to us whether or not we allow it. Join me in this final song, and I'll be back up to release you in a minute. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.